You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. I do. How much of your time was spent and how much was it invested in your goal? Can't do it unless you can overcome adversity because that's what makes great things great is the things that you had to overcome to accomplish them. We have about five choices in our life and everybody has a choice as to what they want to do and how they want to do that. But if you're going to be excellent or elite, you got to do special things. You have to have special intensity. You have to have special focus. It doesn't matter what God-given ability that you have. But without the rest of it, I'm not sure you ever get excellent or elite. You have to have toughness. What does it take to break you? I don't care what circumstance you're faced with. What does it take to break your focus, to make you give in? You're tired or you don't feel like giving effort or finishing the play like you should? I'm not saying it's our goal to try to break you. It's just the way it is in football. It's going to be difficult because you're getting yourself ready to play at a high level. And just because you got beat on the last play, that can't affect the next play that's breaking you. Your frustration is breaking you. What does it take to break you? We should help others. We should serve other people all the time. You cannot be a leader and affect other people if you're not willing to serve other people. Think of our lives as every day we should appreciate the opportunity that we have to accomplish and affect something. Earn this. Everybody made all these sacrifices for you to live. Go live a good life. Be a good father. Help other people. Accomplish something of significance. Make a difference. That would be my message to everybody here. Make a difference and help everybody's spirit in a positive way. God bless you and roll tight. Jay Barker led the Crimson Tide to a national championship in 1992, winner of the Johnny Unitas Golden Arm Award and a finalist for the Heisman Trophy, voted the SEC Player of the Year and was drafted by the Green Bay Packers, also seeing time with the New England Patriots and the Carolina Panthers. He is the winningest quarterback in Alabama history, 35-2-1, member of the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame. Jay Barker brings that same championship quality and football expertise to his own radio network and show. Joining him is Lars Anderson, New York Times best-selling author, 20-year veteran of Sports Illustrated, and professor at the University of Alabama. Live from the AVX studios in Birmingham, Alabama, The Jay Barker Show. Welcome in, and uh, this Monday edition, wow, what a weekend, and uh, Tennessee gets it done, 52-49 to 49, over the Crimson Tide. We're going to talk about some of the reaction afterwards, some of the fan reaction as well from uh, Tennessee Volunteers, and uh, much, much more around the SEC and around the country. Alabama, again, 52-49 this weekend, uh, taken down by Tennessee. Uh, we'll get into time management at the end of the game, also some of the coverage uh, issues for Alabama right now. In the secondary, Bama goes to number six. They're down number three, or down three spots, AP down five. In the coaches' poll, Tennessee is at number three, and uh, in the AP at number four. In the coaches, they move up three and two spots as well for the uh, Tennessee Volunteers. All right, a lot to dive into real quick. We are presented by Top uh, Golf of uh, Birmingham. You'll absolutely love it. A lot of you went down there before and after the UAB game on Saturday, and I hopefully enjoyed that. Whether it's with coworkers, family, or friends, we call it the bowling of this generation. You'll love Top Golf of Birmingham, also driven by Sonny King Ford on the sunny side of the street. Go by and see Tony Russell and all the great folks there at Sunny King Ford. All right, we're awaiting Coach Saban's press conference. But, guys, just first of all, your reaction. Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, I'm Jay Barker. We're live from AVX. Guys, what are your thoughts? Well, uh, not just the game of the year. I think the game of the last 
three or four years and um, a tremendous effort by Tennessee. I know that Alabama fans are going to uh, be pointing at the referees. And um, certainly we've heard a lot of Alabama fans upset with the referees. I get it. Uh, I'm not uh, the kind of guy who belabors that too much. But you just look at it. It was a historic night of penalties. Alabama had 17 penalties. A new Lord, single game program. The um, I mean, it- you know, this was kind of a collective loss by our team. Uh, I don't think we you know, played the way we wanted to play, for sure. We didn't execute the way we wanted to play. Uh, we had a few great individual performances. Um, you know, guys played extremely well. Um, but we also had some guys that uh, it's our expectation that we need as coaches to try to help them get to where they can play better. Uh, there was too many things that we did in the game. I mean, 17 penalties is, you know, just 130 yards of field position, probably lost about 70 yards of field position on special teams, um, whether it was a poor execution by a specialist or, you know, the mistake we made on trying to pick the ball up when it wasn't a live ball. I mean, that's 200 yards in the game, so that's like two touchdowns probably. Gave up explosive plays on defense, um, which is something that we had done a good job of to that point of not doing. And, um, you know, the last five plays of the game, uh, we didn't execute. You know, we can talk about running the ball, but we dropped the pass. Clock would be running and we would be closer. Uh, we miss a hot and don't run the route right. Clock would be running and um, we would be closer. So um, this is something that from the bottom up, all right, I mean, I'm talking about coaches. I'm talking about every player. Uh, I'm talking about me. Uh, we all got to do a better job to, you know, help these guys learn from their mistakes, improve and get better. Um, you know, this is not the way you want to manage through a season by games coming down to the last play. Uh, and the things that you did up to that point got the game to that point. Um, so, you know, we want guys to focus on, you know, hey, have fun doing your job, have great energy and enthusiasm and intensity, and go out there and play the next play. Um, don't worry about results uh, and uh, the consequences of those results uh, because sometimes that creates anxiety, which sometimes doesn't lead to positive performance. So that's something that we need to improve on. You know, Mississippi State's an outstanding team. Um, I think they're five and two. You know, Mike Leach is one of the most difficult uh, guys offensively to try to defend uh, relative to their offense. Uh, the quarterback, Will Rogers, does a great job with that. They're one of the leading passing teams in the country. Uh, they've got a good receiving core. I think they're running the ball more effectively this year than maybe in years past. Their defense is very aggressive create a lot of turnovers, um, do a lot of pressuring uh, of the quarterback. Uh, they're good on special teams. They've got good specialists. So it's going to be a challenging game for us and um, see how our players respond to 
know, the situation that we've created for ourselves. Across the entire season, has there been a particular type of penalty that you found to be a significantly bigger problem than others? Uh, well, you know, we've been harping on pass interference, you know, to keep our hands off of people. I do think in some cases we do a good job of guarding them. Uh, we just got to do a better job of timing up the SWAT, whatever. Um, too many pre-snap penalties, false starts on offense. Uh, I think we had three in the game. Um, and two of them were guys that they're looking at the ball. You know, they're not even thinking about the clap or the snap count or whatever. Uh, those Those things are... Jumping off sides on defense, um, had a couple of those. So, you know, those are the kind of penalties that are undisciplined, not focused, uh, not looking at what you're supposed to look at so that, you know, we don't have those issues. But they all put you behind the eight ball. Um, so, you know, when guys are out there competing, you know, sometimes we drive a guy to the, guy to the ground and end up getting a holding call. You like that kind of aggressiveness. You don't want guys to hold. We're certainly not coaching that, but, um, you know, there are penalties of, you know, sort of omission. And uh, then there's, you know, penalties that guys are just, you know, playing hard and trying to do the best they can. And every now and then, you know, something bad happens. So easier to live with those than the others. On those undisciplined penalties, how were those addressed? How were those fixed in the week afterwards? Well, I think you got to do it in practice. Uh, I mean, I don't, I, I think you create all these habits, you know, in practice. And I think we got to make players more accountable in practice for doing things correctly, paying attention to detail and doing the little things right. Um, I don't, you know, we, we can't go, you know, hang them up for doing this. There are players and we need to get them to understand uh, what they need to do not to allow these things to happen and understand the consequences. Uh, of what happens when you do it. And I think if you continue to do it consistently, um, maybe we need to play somebody else. Um, you know, there's always a little fear that goes with respect and respecting what it takes to win. You also should know that, Hey, my job could be in jeopardy if I don't respect the things I need to do to win. Were you given any kind of explanation on why the, the hit on Bryce wasn't rule targeting? No. No, we turned the plays in. I'm sure the league office will look at it and make a determination. Um, so, you know, there's two things um, that is an issue at issue here is targeting but you're also not supposed to hit the quarterback in the head. Last year against Texas A&M, Malachi got thrown out of the game. Guy was out of the pocket, jumped up to block the ball, and ended up almost accidentally hitting him in the head, got ejected from the game. So there's, there's really two things that should be looked at. You mentioned the explosive plays given up on defense, specifically for pass defense. What needs to be done to, to limit those going forward? Well, I mean, we limited them all year long. 
So we've had less explosive plays this year than we've had all year. So um, we certainly don't want to give them up. Uh, they did a good job of taking those wide splits uh, and creating some matchup things because of the wide splits. Um, so, you know, guys got to play with better focus, better leverage. Um, you got to be able to cover people better. I mean, it's simple as that. I mean, I, I can't. They are our players. We think they're good players. We think they're capable. Uh, they need to play with good technique and good focus on the little things that help you make those plays. Steven. Coach, of course, no one likes to lose, obviously, but when a loss happens, what do you expect to see from like, the leadership group and getting these guys focused and getting these guys understanding that we got to play to the standard? Yeah, well, I, look, I, I think that um, – you know, our players all want to win. And regardless of how everybody feels, um, we feel worse. You know, the players are out there competing. Um, they're, they're playing hard, uh, maybe not always playing smart, um, maybe making too many errors that we need to fix. Um, and as coaches, we need to help them fix them, teach them. Uh, they need to learn from the lessons that um, you know, learning occurs best when you make a mistake, but you got to take advantage of that. And I think it's important for our players to get that. Um, you know, it seemed like we had maybe, you know, you want to have great energy and you want to be loose. Um, I thought we were tight, especially starting the game. Um, I mean, coming out of the locker room, our players always chant. They weren't chanting. I said, why aren't you guys chanting? What's up with that? And um, so it's not that they don't want to do it. It's not that they're not trying. Uh, I just think we, we've got to place our, get our focus in the right place and our psychological disposition in the right place so that we can look when you compete. It's fun to compete when you play the next play. It's no different than playing a pickup basketball game. All right, he's got the ball. I got to guard him. I got the ball. I got to beat him. That, that's how you play. That's how you compete. You have fun. Sometimes he wins. Sometimes you win. All right, but you're having fun doing it. You're competing. That's what's important. And you can't worry about the outcome. You can't sit there all tensed up because you're afraid the guy's going to shoot a three on you. You, you got to play the play and go play the next play if he does make a three. So, um, so, so much more fun that way. Uh, not looking at the scoreboard, not worrying about results, not being fearful of what's going to happen if something bad happens or if we lose a game. Just go play. Compete. And then when the game's over, if we do that and we do it well as a collective group, you know, we can live with the results. So that's what it's our job, my job, to help these players get to that point. Hi, Coach, back here. Uh, just talking about all those learning lessons, you can never anticipate what a player is going to learn or how they're going to react from what you're coaching them. So how much of this is just trusting that these players at this point in the season are going to become more disciplined and play the way you want them to? Or how much is it on the coaching staff to try to get them there, even though we're at this point in the season? It's both. It's both. And everybody responds differently. I think you're exactly right. But we can't continue to tolerate guys that aren't doing the things they need to do 
to be successful. You know, nobody's entitled to a position. You know, everybody's earned the position that they're in by showing that they have the capability and ability to do it on a consistent basis. And uh, that's something that you have to continue. And the grind of the season, being in the middle of the season, being a little bit hurt, tired, whatever, can't lose your focus on doing the things you need to do to continue to improve and get better because other people are looking at your flaws too. So, you know, I told the, the players a little story about, you know, a carpenter has a special light that he finished carpenter to see if the wood is exactly what he wants it to be. He's looking for flaws in the wood. Well, people are looking for flaws in you, right? Whether it's how you block, how you tackle, how you cover, whatever it is you do, um, how we cover punts, wh whatever it is we do. And we have to be aware of that and know that we need to correct these things all right, so they don't become issues for us in the future. Um, Bryce was taking a couple big hits during the game. We talked about the potential targeting one. I guess how hard is it to kind of tell him, like, hey, you got to protect yourself. You don't want to get in a situation like you did hurting his shoulder before, but also, you know, extending plays and making stuff happen like he can. Look, Bryce is a competitor and he's a great competitor and he's a good leader on the team. And we need to do a better job of protecting him. And we certainly don't want him to get hit. Um, can we do that 100%? You know, sometimes he scrambles and runs and gets hit. Um, but he's a competitor. And he's one of the guys that is a real warrior, you know, on our team when it comes to doing whatever he needs to do to try to help the team win, whether it's scramble, sit in the pocket right, for the last minute and try to deliver a ball and maybe take a hit because of it. We don't want that to happen, and we're, we need to do a better job so it doesn't happen. But can we eliminate it happening? And will he ever be a guy that um, doesn't do everything he can to help the team have a chance to be successful and help that play be a chance have a chance to be successful? I don't think so. I think that's why he is what he is. That's why he is a great player because of that. So I don't know how to change that. Right He's spoken a lot recently about how difficult pass interference is to call. Would you like to see that become a reviewable play? Uh, you know, I, I look, I, I my, my big thing is just consistency, you know, call it the same for everybody. And, um, you know, it's hard to define exactly what you can and can't do. So um, I, I would rather see that happen. In the NFL, they defined exactly what you could and couldn't do. And um, it's it's a really, really difficult judgment call, uh, but you knew exactly what you could and couldn't do. And um, I, I think that would be beneficial. And, you know, uh, I, I don't know whether it should be a reviewable call or not. I mean, if we make everything reviewable, why would you call anything? I mean, we reviewed one of the hits on Bryce and what it wasn't. So I, I don't know. All right. Thank you.
right, that was Coach Saban and his weekly presser, and uh, we got more to dive into. Let's go ahead and take a quick break. We'll come back, chew on it just a bit. We got Mick Gillespie coming up as well, Bama Insider on 3 Media. He'll join us from 1230 to 1 o'clock. He joins us each and every Monday. Stay with us. We're live from ABX. You're listening to The Jay Barker Show, live from the AVX Studios in downtown Birmingham. Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today. Score! You've got advanced prostate cancer, but you're not waiting around. You want your straight talk to facts about a Govix. Or Govix Religolix, 120 milligram prescription. So far this season, clear with a low at 34. Then for tomorrow, a sunny but cool day, the high only at 53. I'm James Spam in the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 71 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Again, and uh, I was reading on Twitter, Travis William Mosler wrote, uh, Alabama has lost exactly six away games in the last decade. These are the photos of some of the stadiums afterwards. It has photos from all the different games uh, of those uh, six games. And uh, he said, when you beat Bama, you tear down goalposts. You jump in the poles. You celebrate, and you should. It's a momentous occasion. It's a storied moment that will go down in history for your program. But understand, when Bama beats you, it's just Saturday. And uh, we ain't done yet. He says, roll tide. Also, if you look at the kind of the way things could end up, I know a lot of Alabama fans, which is funny because, well, not funny, but um, interesting. You know, you think about wanting to face Georgia again uh, because of losing them in the championship game. Now you get all these Alabama fans wanting to face Tennessee in the SEC championship instead to have uh, another chance to play Tennessee, save the cigar, and then light it up afterwards. Uh, we heard it from a number of callers in the postgame show the other night talk about that. But here's what's interesting. Uh, when, what could go down? Alabama could end up 12-1, and one, win the SEC championship. Georgia ends up 12-1, and one, SEC runner-up. Tennessee 11-1, and one, but beat Alabama. Ole Miss 11-1, and one, and only lost to Alabama. Uh, that could be what would look like uh, a top four for the SEC if that kind of played its way out. But uh, a lot of things that Nick Saban talked about, they want to get corrected after the 17 flags again on uh, this past Saturday against Tennessee. But, Matt, I heard a little bit from Lars. Give me your thoughts, kind of what you thought and what you saw on this Tennessee game this weekend. Well, I'm going to dive into something I just looked at more and more this morning. That ball just barely made it. I mean, the knuckleball? Did y'all look at it the really, really kick. closely? That yeah, final, final kick? kick? I mean, it did not Byron clear Young my mind. It was not a thing of beauty. Oh, uh, no. Uh, I, I think, it, and Saban addressed them, I think there's some issues to to be discussed among us. Uh, about Alabama's play calling there down towards the end, trying to get the field goal. I, I think they get, could have been a lot smoother in that. Maybe left Tennessee very, very little time on the clock. That didn't happen. Penalties aside, I, I, I really think that uh, you could tell from what Nick Saban said that he was irate, maybe not irate, but he, he was certainly uh, a little ticked off, particularly about the one that bothered me, and that's the targeting. That was every definition of the rule targeting. They stopped the clock smart on that part to review the play. They reviewed the play and still didn't get it right. That aggravated me. Penalties aside, as I just said, though, Alabama still has everything in front of them. Just win. In the words of Al Davis, just win, baby. And after the game, you know, Nick Saban, I think the one thing that he was upset about the most 
was how his defense played on that final drive. And he just said, hey, we played way too soft at the end to let them go down the field 50 yards and get in field goal range. And you go back and look, and and Hendon Hooker, um, uh, look, there's only 15 seconds on the clock after Will Reichard missed that 50-yarder. And I did have a fear that that Reichard's struggles against A&M would carry over uh, to uh, 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 Knoxville. And uh, sure enough, they did. But uh, Hendon Hooker, he had completions of 18 and 27 yards, and that puts uh, Tennessee in field goal range. And I think he, Nick Saban, was sort of talking directly to Pete Golding. And I know Pete Golding, Jay, has been a punching bag for fans for quite a while. Um, But uh, look, this Alabama team, Jay, it has imperfections. This is the third game now where it has really come down to the last second. And uh, we're not used to seeing this here uh, in, in Tuscaloosa. And uh, But all that being said, as you mentioned, Jay, everything is still in front of Alabama. They went out. Uh, they're, they're in the playoffs. No, no question about it. However, there's no room for error anymore. They have to win the rest of their games in the regular season and uh, win the SEC championship, presumably against Georgia or Tennessee, to make it in. Yeah, my, my two issues in the game, a clock management at the end, I do think they could have run the clock down, especially on first down instead of throwing it out of bounds. Go ahead and run it, use a timeout. At that time, Alabama had two timeouts left. Uh, but get the clock down to three or four seconds, kicking it, and then that's it. See, either you win the game or you go to overtime. Uh, I was very surprised by some of that as far as time management, uh, even though I, I know Coach Saban, they will address that and talk through it, even though today he said, look, you know, guys should have made plays. Um, as the great Bobby Bowden once said, you know, there's only a couple, you know, really there's one positive thing on a pass, and that's completion. You either have an incompletion or you have uh, an interception. There's two two bad things that can happen. So a lot of times in, in those situations, you realize you know that it could be tough uh, to make sure you get to uh, catch the ball and uh, make the play and all that. And so should, should they be made? They should have, yes. It could have clock been running. Yeah, I just think they could have been smarter with some of the play calling their early downs in that particular series and then set it up for the field goal. And also put him on the left hash, put him in the middle of the field. He has not hit from the right hash this year. I don't understand special teams coaches not sitting there looking at that going, hey, I need a run, I need something to the middle or left hash because if you look, I think almost every one of his field goals, if not most of his field goals he's, he's missed this year have been from that right hash. The other is why he, they continue to beat him with Hyatt down the seam. you got to put a safety over the top. You can't leave a guy one-on-one against a guy with that kind of speed. Um, it was it was just a, a great scheming uh, by them, and they went to it, what, five different times, one on a, on a stick post but still in the same area, but uh, able to get the five touchdowns for Hyatt. That, that should never happen where one player beats you that many times against an Alabama defense and not having an answer for it with the safety over the top. I, I did not understand those probably three things. So uh, that's that's my take. We'll get Mick Gillespie coming up. Bama Insider, All 3 Media, joining us next. Love to hear his thoughts on Alabama's loss to Tennessee this weekend and uh, what it means for the Crimson Tide. We'll be back. You're listening to The Jay Barker Show, live from the AVX Studios in downtown Birmingham. One in seven men will face prostate cancer. Nearly 500 new cases are diagnosed every day in the U.S. Traditional treatments can cause erectile dysfunction and urinary incontinence. But now there's a new option, high-intensity focused ultrasound, or HIFU. 
Men who are really looking for an option that really preserves their urinary and sexual function are great candidates for high food treatment. Preserve your quality of life. Call 866-4-VITURO or visit VITUROHEALTH.COM. Hi, it's Jay Barker for AVX, Audio Video Excellence. They are the premier provider for custom audiovisual design and installation in the Southeast. AVX seeks excellence in everything it does, including a superior employee experience. AVX offers employees an industry-leading salary, insurance benefits, and 401k options. AVX technicians also receive the highest level of certification and continue training, making it one of the most awarded and decorated companies in the industry. Career opportunities are available now for technicians in Birmingham and Santa Rosa Beach, Florida. Join the AVX team by contacting them at avxinc.com. Gary Burley here for Williford Chiropractic and Wellness. As a 10-year National Football League veteran, you can imagine my surprise being diagnosed with cancer and starting chemotherapy treatment back in 2014. I suffered from a lot of pain and offered up prayer during those days as I made it into remission. But I developed neuropathy. Anyone that suffers from this condition knows the pain is excruciating. Nerve numbness and tingling along the tissue that won't heal. I tried everything for relief, folks, until my wife suggested I call Dr. Williford of Williford Chiropractic and wellness. I called 205-909-7373 and scheduled an appointment. After three treatments, I began experiencing relief that I haven't had in years. If you're suffering from neuropathy, I suggest you reach out to Dr. Williford and his great staff at WillifordChiropracticAndWellness.com. Williford Chiropractic and Wellness. Give them a call at 205-909-7373. Balance your brain. Balance your life. Hi, it's Jay Barker. I want to tell you about my good friends Craig and Keith at Birmingham Broker. Go online at bhambroker.com. That's bhambroker.com or 205-716-1269. Got seven kids, man, and we had to sell a lot of cars. And these guys are looking for a lot of inventory. They helped us with all the hassle. No stress for us. They did the process as far as the sales and everything. Handled it all the way through. White glove type service. You'll love it. Again, it's bhambroker.com. Sell your car through bhambroker.com or 205-716-1269. Hi, it's Jay Barker for Siebel's in downtown Homewood, and now's the time to get your special place ready. Come in and let Siebel's design your porch with Kingsley Bait Outdoor Furniture and one of their custom swinging beds. For the great room, you're going to need their Carson Swivel Recliner. Siebel's is the number one Carson Recliner dealer in the country, and Sarah and I, we've got one, and we absolutely love it. Be sure also to check out their famous custom-made beds and bunk beds built by Siebel's and made up with some of their best linens in town. Their staff can truly put your bed together like no other store. You can also follow Siebel's and shop on Instagram and Facebook. And be sure to call or go by their special store in downtown Homewood. The number is 800-448-1962. That's 800-448-1962. And just for listening, go to Siebel'sCottage.com and order anything you want and type in Jay Barker for a special discount code. That's Jay Barker for a special discount code available only to our listeners for a limited time on The Jay Barker Show. Siebel's in downtown Homewood or online at Siebel'sCottage.com. It's Antonio Langham here to tell you about the easiest way to buy your tickets to your next high school game. Have you ever had to wait in line to buy a high school ticket or stop to get cash on the way to the game? There has to be a better way. There is. It's called GoFan. Check out GoFan.co the next time you need a ticket for your high school game. GoFan is easy, fast, and completely secure. You can buy tickets directly from your phone and just show the ticket at the gate. Download the GoFan app or visit GoFan.co now. That's C. Letter O.
Gillespie from Bama Center Opening Media. Congratulations, Alabama Soccer. They jumped to number one in a historic season for the ladies. They are 14-1-1, 8-0 at home with three matches left until conference championship and postseason. They play Mississippi State on 10-20, Florida 10-23, and then the Iron Bowl of soccer for women 10-27 against the Albert Tigers with the SEC tournament starting on Halloween. So uh, congratulations to uh, Alabama women's soccer sitting at uh, number one. I know Sarah Ashley and the girls basketball team have been out to many of those games to support them and a lot of the students coming out as well and fans but uh, congratulations to women's soccer sitting at the number one spot mick gillespie now joining us from bama insider on three mick great to have you on man what a post game show that was uh on saturday night and uh a lot of great calls and a lot of great thoughts from a lot of people across not only the state of alabama but all over the country yeah jay it's uh, great to talk to you again and you're right i mean that that was an epic Saturday night, you know, and uh, it was really therapeutic for me, you know, after the way that things went, um, you know, and I've had a little time to think about it, but um, Alabama fans know the game, you know, they, they know what they're looking at, and um, it was cool just having, what, 25,000 views plus and all those people from around the country that were jumping on with us. So, Mick... Give us your uh, thirty thousand foot perspective on what what went down on Saturday night in Knoxville. Well, first off, I mean I, I've got to congratulate Tennessee because uh, they played the game that they had to to beat Alabama. You know, we they, we couldn't stop their their passes. Uh, we, our defense was uh, constantly in bad position in the secondary. There was no pass rush. They made the plays. There. And the other thing, too, and I think our fan base needs to really pay attention to this, is we used to have that same enthusiasm. You know, when Nick Saban showed up, we were all fired up, and uh, we wanted to win as bad as they did on Saturday. We've, we've become a little complacent, and that includes myself. You know, like we need to appreciate what we have a little bit more. The other thing is, and I've been telling everyone this for a long time, this is my favorite rivalry, and it's because Tennessee talks more smack, and that's not even the word I want to use, than any other fan base anywhere. And uh, they rub it in as good as anybody. And you, you talk about losing to Auburn. You talk about losing to Georgia. You, you can roll them all up in a bowl. And in the last two days, they, they have absolutely made a case for why this rivalry is one that you don't want to lose to these guys. You would have thought they won 15 out of 16. But going back to the game, with all of the things that went wrong for Alabama and that tough environment and how well Tennessee played, uh, Bryce Young was the best player on the field. And uh, and that's no disrespect to Hendon Hooker. I'd still vote Hooker uh, number one Heisman guy right now. But I thought Bryce Young played brilliantly. Alabama's wide receivers need to catch the ball more. I think that the offense needs to be a little bit more creative, uh, not taking anything away from what they did Saturday. But they have more weapons in Tennessee, believe it or not. They need to figure out how to get them the ball a little bit more in space. And then lastly, and Nick Saban addressed it, I really – just discussed it with the officiating. Uh, I don't like the the way that the penalties were called. I felt like they they benefited Tennessee all night. How do you not know how many downs there are? How do you let the quarterback get hit in the head by dudes that's three times the size and you don't, you don't call a penalty on that? The pass interference at the end of the game was despicable. It cost Alabama the game. And honestly, I really feel like with the millions and millions of dollars that are being gambled in the state of Tennessee and all across this country now, not in Alabama, but there's, it's legal to gamble, 
that they ought to have a commission when you have a game like this that just looks into it because there's a lot of money that's out there being bet on these games. If you don't call pass interference on that, Alabama's probably going to cover the spread. So don't forget that, and don't think that it doesn't happen. I mean, it's happened in other sports. It's probably happened in college football. And no, when you go back uh, and watch I'm going to stop game, you right there, Mick. That, that doesn't happen. That's not happening in the SEC. I, 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 I think I'm, I'm going to stop you right there. I, look, you think they're paying well, them all? Well, how do you know I don't know. I just said, I said you should have a I know a lot of the officials in the SEC. It takes uh, one I, guy, Matt. It okay. takes one guy. What, what about the guy of basketball, the, the docker? You're guy. accusing you every damn me? official in the SEC. That's not, uh, I don't know. No, I, I'm not. No, I'm, 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 I'm going to post up. No, no. No, no, look, you're, t- you're putting words in my mouth. What I said was that they ought to have a commission to look into it because you just don't know. And, and look, if it, and, if, and if, it's not, if it's not, then it's not. But don't you think that the, with all the money that's out there that you ought to have somebody – and I'm, this has nothing to do with Alabama and Tennessee. This has to do with someone that spends a lot of time looking at the odds and, and all that stuff to think that one – one penalty or two penalties in the right spot could change millions of dollars. May I say something very candidly? It sounds to me like you're a guy that lost some money on the game. (laughs) No, 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 no. Look, I'm not, it has, look, and I'm being serious here. I I congratulate Tennessee. They put, they deserve to win that game. And it has nothing to do with this. I've covered Alabama for 30 years. And I, I don't ever remember feeling like this after a loss. And we've lost a lot of games. I, I mean, I was in school. We lost to Auburn, you know, how many times? Six times. We lost to Tennessee seven. You know, I've covered Alabama losing. I just, I, I just felt like, and maybe I'm wrong, I just felt like the timing of some of those penalties just, just didn't feel right to me. That's all I'm saying. And I just feel like with the way that you're talking about legalized gambling across, what, like 20-some states, that it would, it might benefit them to, to look into it a little bit. There's, there's a lot of money out there being bet, and that one pass interference changed a lot of dollars. Great conversation and uh, great points from uh, both sides. Let's let's take a break. We'll come back more with Mick Gillespie from Bama Insider on Three Media and uh, more on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Their loss this weekend to the Tennessee Volunteers, fifty-two to forty-nine, and uh, we'll break it down for you. More on the other side. We're live from AVX. Stay with us. You're listening to The Jay Barker Show, live from the AVX Studios in downtown Birmingham. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Bring your classic car, truck, or motorcycle to Julio Jones Kia Mazda's Halloween Classic Car Show, October 29th. Special prizes and free barbecue from the Pottery Grill. Far this season, clear with a low at 34. And for tomorrow, a sunny but cool day, the high only at 53. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 72 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Hi, 
right, welcome back into the show, and uh, welcome in Mick Gillespie again from Bam Insider on 3, Matt Coulter, Lars Anderson, I'm Jay Barker. Thanks for joining us here on this Monday edition. We heard from Coach Saban earlier in his weekly presser, and we'll uh, throw some of those comments for you a little bit later on in hour number two as well, if you missed them in the uh, first hour. I brought this up earlier, Mick. If Alabama was to win out, Alabama would be 12-1 and SEC championship. Uh, if Georgia was to um, be in the uh, championship game, they could end up runner-up. 12 and 1. Tennessee would be 11 and 1 and beaten Alabama this number one. Ole Miss 11 and 1, only lost to Alabama that is sitting at number one at that point in time. You could have four top four teams, or the top four teams could could possibly be at least, and we know two, but the other two, Tennessee and Ole Miss, would have a lot to say uh, to the committee, but uh, could be your top four teams in the country, but I know it will never happen. Look, I would love to see Tennessee get to the SEC championship game. Uh, they're exciting. I mean, what a great team to watch. And um, I think Georgia's going to have trouble with them. I- I'm guessing Georgia's probably going to just try to run the ball down their throat. But that all of a sudden becomes a- another situation where it's must-see TV in the SEC. And uh, I could see a scenario where the loser of that game gets in to the playoff and doesn't make the uh, SEC championship game. So, I mean, I could definitely see that. Mick, Alabama gave up 52 points. 52. What that, is, by the way, is the most ever against Tennessee in 115 years. Yeah. Uh, Many of the stats. Just and it, it, it's pretty amazing that uh, given everything that was going against Alabama, most penalties in program history, um, <laughs> you know, kind of go on and on that they're even in that game late. Uh, what... Give me your top two issues on what's going on with this defense. Well, I think first off, and I thought about this uh, yesterday, you know, kind of recapping the game is, is when you play these offenses, you know, every other team in the country, they do the fake injury deal to slow them down. You know, Alabama didn't do that. Tennessee had a lot of very curious times where Alabama's offense is starting to roll and then guys are grabbing their knees and out a play or two and coming back in. And honestly, that's how college football is played now. You know, um, I mean, I'm just throwing that out there. The other thing is Alabama, uh, man, they've got to do a much better job of, of uh, covering in the secondary and getting pressure on the quarterback. They just, To be honest, they just weren't ready for Tennessee's speed. And I'm talking about speed as far as getting plays off. And this, what is that, like an old Big Ten, you know, 2000. 10 Big Ten offense, or I mean Big 12 offense, you know, you spread them out, you go fast. Um, maybe you go back and you watch tapes and, and try to figure out how to get more pressure, slow that attack down, but I, a lot of it was just Tennessee played a hell of a game. I mean, that, that's, you know, if you, you got to get pressure, you got to hit, you got to hit the quarterback a little bit. But they did. They had one sack. They had one interception. Um, Tennessee, here's another one that surprises me as far as stats are concerned, Mick. Tennessee only had the ball 22 minutes and 31 seconds. When they scored on their drives, they scored in two minutes. Their drives were like two minutes long. Uh, I know. And and the fact that Alabama wasn't getting any pressure and then couldn't cover just baffled me. And I guess we're chewing our cabbage for the third time here, but that was just my observation from there, that the defense that we saw coming into 2022 doesn't exist. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. Maybe they're not as good as we thought they were. You know, I mean, maybe, yeah. maybe you know, maybe they're okay. You know, they're they're. But 
this is what football is now. You know, it's a track meet, and you got to be able to slow it down somewhat. That was the biggest surprise to me, Matt, in the entire game, was that going in, I knew that both teams were going to score. I just didn't know that Alabama wasn't going to be able to slow them down. And, and they, you know, they get the one stop, and then the guy runs up and touches the football for no reason and turns it right back to him. That was, to me, one of the biggest plays of the game. And then and, and when Alabama got the lead and then had the ball back, you know, they they ran the they, – they just couldn't do anything with it. You know, and it's like that's when maybe it would have been a good time to be creative and, and uh, you know, and try to link up on a deep pass or or something and add to the lead. Um, but I'll say this. I think this is a really good growing game for Alabama. And Nick Saban's been the best in the business at – taking a game like that and building from it and moving forward. Let's talk about some of the positives. Uh, he didn't get a lot of work last week, uh, Bryce Young. And, um, you know, we saw where uh, a number of things happening there throughout the week and whether or not he would play, ends up playing, ends up 35 at 52, 455 yards, two touchdowns. He didn't have an interception. Uh, Jameer Gibbs also had an outstanding day, 24 carries, 103 yards, 4.3 average, three touchdowns. But talk about some of the positives that you saw from this game against Tennessee because I just thought Bryce played unbelievable. The way that he moved around, making plays, extending plays, uh, the throws uh, off the run, the one to Cameron Latu there at the right at the goal line where he stops, pulls up, and hits him after he breaks loose. Um, and uh, the throw down to Earl, uh, JoJo Earl on the sideline where he's moving up in the pocket, just an outstanding vision for him and anticipation. Talk about some of the positives you saw. Hey, Bryce Young's a warrior. First, first time, you know, first thing that I, I think of is, to, you know, to take those hits, to move around in the pocket. He was constantly under distress, and he was able to, uh, to to tough it out. You know, they had the hit where the guy comes in, smashes him in the head, gets right back up, and, and got hit on the shoulder a few times, didn't phase him at all. I thought Cameron Latu had a great game. How many big catches did he have? Um, and then Jameer Gibbs, you know, I hate this. The one drop at the end of the game probably wins it. Besides that, though, he was Alabama's go-to guy, and he makes so many guys miss. He's elusive. He he really is like uh, uh, like uh, Kamara, you know, with his ability to run and catch the football. He's as dynamic of a running back that Alabama's had, and they've had some great. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, going back to the defensive side of the ball, I think it is, it's pretty evident after what Hendon Hooker was able to do. Alabama doesn't have an elite corner right now, and Alabama doesn't have an elite interior defensive lineman. So first question, uh, where's Eli Ricks? Is, is he basically done for the season? I mean, preseason All-American, and uh, the dude can't find the field. It's obviously, Nick is not happy with his practice habits or with something else. Yeah, look, and that's an issue. But I'm wondering the same thing, and we need him, you know, and the team needs him. Um, he's one of the best in the country when, when he's playing and doing his thing, and Alabama needs him to play and do his thing for this team right now because you're right. You know, I mean, like the, when you get into a, a dogfight like this, it, it would be nice to have someone over there that could, even if he just comes in and, you know, and, and makes a couple plays and then, you know, switches out. I mean, he, he's, 
he's a he's a weapon that hasn't been utilized yet. I don't know what's going on in practice. Obviously, Nick Saban is Nick Saban, and there's a reason why he's not on the field, and it's probably a good reason because Nick Saban's the best in the business at getting guys in. Um, but you know, maybe after this week, you know, you, you, he he's a guy that steps up. Certainly could use him. Nick, tonight, Guardians or Yankees? Oh, uh, look, man, I I got to tell you, man, I, I I grew up hating the Yankees. I'm not a Yankee fan, but I would like to see man. the Yankees kind of get back in the mix, man. I I, I like uh, I like you know Judge. I've enjoyed watching that. It, baseball's better when the Yankees are good, but I'd take the Guardians tonight. <laughs> Mick, thank you. Uh, the world needs to see Aaron Judge. Yeah, Judge is awesome. Got the uh, Monday, mo- uh, Monday morning, Thanks, Monday man. night quarterback uh, club coming up uh, tonight on Bama Insider. You can see Mick there as well as uh, throughout the week on Crimson Tide Headlines. We do a show together on Tuesday and Thursdays right at 2.30 and uh, sometimes a little bit earlier than that. But uh, Mick, thanks for being with us. Mick Gillespie, Bama Insider on 3 Media. Roll Tide. Hey, Roll Tide. Enjoyed it, guys. Hi, right, man. We'll be back. Hour number two is coming up next. Stay with us. Hi, this is Wes McClooney, owner of the New Balance Birmingham store. Achieving your personal best often comes down to how you feel. And when it comes to the right shoes, nothing feels better than New Balance. The fit specialists at the New Balance Birmingham store conduct an in-depth analysis of your foot size, shape, and gait, determining the best New Balance shoes for you. Experience the difference of custom fit today at the New Balance Birmingham store on Highway 280 next to Chick-fil-A. New Balance Birmingham. Your feet will thank you. One in seven men will face prostate cancer. Nearly 500 new cases are diagnosed every day in the U.S. Traditional treatments can cause erectile dysfunction and urinary incontinence. But now there's a new option. High-intensity focused ultrasound or HIFU. Men who are really looking for an option that really preserves their urinary and sexual function are great candidates for HIFU treatment. Preserve your quality of life. Call 866-4-VITURO or visit VITUROHEALTH.COM. I'm excited to tell you about our newest sponsor here on the Jay Barker Radio Network. They pioneered the Chicken Finger Box and the Chicken Finger Restaurant. That's Guthrie's. Guthrie's recipes and processes are often imitated but never duplicated. Look, their sauce is probably the most copied sauce of all sauces all time. And I've known this family since my days down in Tuscaloosa and they came over. And, man, I tell you, it's nostalgic even today to see my kids going to that same Guthrie's. A great family. Do so much for the community but, more importantly, provide the best when it comes to chicken fingers. Get out to Guthrie's today. I want to tell you about my good friends at Southern Assurance Group. Hi, it's Jay Barker, and look, Ken Needham has done a terrific job. Local company, 205-980-1505 is their number. That's 980-1505. Again, local, you can speak with the same team every time you give them a call. Full line of products from Auto Home, Boat Life. You'll trust them. They have a great uh, deal as far as the relationships they build with their customers and 20 years with the same company and industry. Custom approach for your insurance needs. Give them a call, 980-1505. That is Southern Assurance Group. Hi. Jay Barker. I want to tell you about my good friends Craig and Keith at Birmingham Broker. Go online at bhambroker.com. That's bhambroker.com or 205-716-1269. Got seven kids, man, and we had to sell a lot of cars. And these guys are looking for a lot of inventory. They helped us with all the hassle. No stress for us. They did the process as far as the sales and everything. Handled it all the way through. White glove type service. You'll love it. Again, it's bhambroker.com. Sell your car through bhambroker.com or 205 716 
1-800-227-5569. Whether it's for lunch or dinner, head out to the Cajun Steamers, a New Orleans-style joint that serves authentic Cajun and Creole food, cold beer, and great drinks. They are known for their wide array of Cajun classics and original creations prepared in an authentic fashion. This Louisiana kitchen can have you slapping the table for more. Stop by the Cajun Steamer and sign up for your Alabama, LSU, or Auburn fan card. Eat with the Cajun Steamer while your team is on TV and use your fan card to receive a 15% discount on your entire meal. With locations in Hoover, Trustful, Huntsville, and Franklin, Tennessee, they've got you covered. Head out today to the Cajun Steamer. It's Antonio Langham here to tell you about the easiest way to buy your tickets to your next high school game. Have you ever had to wait in line to buy a high school ticket or stop to get cash on the way to the game? There has to be a better way. There is. It's called GoFan. Check out GoFan.co the next time you need a ticket for your high school game. GoFan is easy, fast, and completely secure. You can buy tickets directly from your phone and just show the ticket at the gate. Download the GoFan app or visit GoFan.co now. That's GoFan.letter C, letter O. Birmingham's best Mexican restaurant for over 20 years and counting. That's La Paz Restaurant in Crestline Village and Mount Laurel. They've got a great staff. It's delicious menu, award-winning cheese dip, and margaritas and vibrant atmosphere have helped to make La Paz a local favorite. Blue corn nachos, Texas barbecue quesadillas, steak and blue quesadillas, Baja fish tacos, signature fajitas, and much, much more. So head over to La Paz today. If you want a great lunch or a great dinner, you'll find all that at La Paz, Crestline, and Mount Laurel for lunch or dinner. WTUG HD2 Northport and W265CG Tuscaloosa, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Who you are is more important than what you do. The only way that you're going to have any kind of success in your life, you have to buy into a process of what it takes to reach a goal. How can I be the best I can be at what I do? How much of your time was spent and how much was it invested in your goal? Can't do it unless you can overcome adversity because that's what makes great things great is the things that you had to overcome to accomplish them. We have about five choices in our life, and everybody has a choice as to what they want to do and how they want to do that. But if you're going to be excellent or elite, you got to do special things. You have to have special intensity. You have to have special focus. It doesn't matter what God-given ability that you have, but without the rest of it, I'm not sure you ever get excellent or elite. You have to have toughness. What does it take to break you? I don't care what circumstance you're faced with. What does it take to break your focus, to make you give in? You're tired or you don't feel like giving effort or finishing the play like you should? I'm not saying it's our goal to try to break you. It's just the way it is in football. It's going to be difficult if you're getting yourself ready to play at a high level. And just because you got beat on the last play, that can't affect the next play. That's breaking you. Your frustration is breaking you. What does it take to break you? We should help others. We should serve other people all the time. You cannot be a leader and affect other people if you're not willing to serve other people. Think of our lives as every day we should appreciate the opportunity that we have to accomplish and affect something. Earn this. Everybody made all these sacrifices for you to live. Go live a good life. Be a good father. Help other people. Accomplish something of significance. Make a difference. That would be my message to everybody here. Make a difference and help everybody's spirit in a positive way. God bless you and roll tight. Jay Barker led the Crimson Tide to a national championship in 1992, winner of the Johnny Unitas Golden Arm Award and a finalist for the Heisman Trophy, voted the SEC Player of the Year and was drafted by the Green Bay Packers, also seeing time with the New England Patriots and the Carolina Panthers. He is the winningest quarterback in Alabama history, 35-2-1, member of the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame. 
Jay Barker brings that same championship quality and football expertise to his own radio network and show. Joining him is Lars Anderson, New York Times bestselling author, 20-year veteran of Sports Illustrated, and professor at the University of Alabama. Live from the AVX Studios in Birmingham, Alabama, The Jay Barker Show. All right, welcome back in. Hour number two here on this Monday edition. And a tough loss to the Crimson Tide, 52-49 to to the Tennessee Volunteers. And uh, Josh Heupel now a hero in uh, Tennessee, as well as uh, Hendon uh, Hooker, the quarterback, ended up 21-30, 385 yards, five touchdowns on the day. Did have the one interception when Alabama got some pressure on him, uh, threw a little bit high, and Alabama able to get that pick. Uh, also, uh, those five touchdowns all to Hendon Hooker. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, not to hit it to uh, Jalen uh, Hyatt, excuse me. He had six receptions. So six receptions, five were touchdowns for him at 207 yards, 34.5 average, and a 78-long uh, touchdown reception for Jalen Hyatt of Tennessee. We're presented by Top uh, Top Golf of Birmingham. Get out to Top Golf today. You'll absolutely love it. Friends, family, coworkers, the drinks, the food, the atmosphere at Top Golf of Birmingham. Also driven by Sunday King Ford on the sunny side of the street. Goodbye, see Tony Russell and all the great folks there at Sunny King Ford. All right, guys, uh, as we continue to break down Alabama and Tennessee, again, 52 to 49, and a lot of things to correct, and especially the 17 penalties that Alabama had. And, again, um, we saw the struggles ahead against Texas with the penalties, 130 yards of penalties for Alabama in this game, as well as the uh, turnovers, the touching of the punt. Not sure why that happened. I think he felt like maybe Kool-Aid had gotten touched by the ball, the way the ball reacted and the way he reacted. Uh, but still, just get on the ball. Go down and, and, fun, and take the fumble. Don't uh, try to pick it up and run it, uh, as the uh, player did for Alabama. So a lot of mental mistakes, uh, the uh, the penalties, those type of things. But uh, I think also, you know, game management. Again, the, the time management there at the end of, end of the uh, game. I'd better run the clock down and have nothing but a field goal or get to overtime, not give them a, a shot or a chance, and uh, then giving up the yards there afterwards, about 43 yards and uh, what about 13 seconds that uh, Alabama gave up? So a lot of uh, things that, that are correctable, but uh, I think, too, just schematically, they can look at some things, especially on that defense side of the ball, man-to-man coverage with that type of offense, not having safety to, uh, help over the top uh, in uh, five of those plays that they ended up for touchdowns. Um, okay, Jay, I, I have a question for you, but before I ask it, uh, let me just say uh, I want to address one thing that there have been some reports and unconfirmed that some media members uh, had a difficult time to put it mild after the game when they decided to go onto the field. And I understand why you want to go onto the field as a media member, because you want to get scenes. You want to uh, just uh, uh, try to get a real feel for what it's like to be in the middle of this uh, just absolute chaos. But the problem is, it is chaos. And, um, and and just because you have a media credential on, that doesn't mean <laughs> that you are going to have immunity from what possibly could happen to you. And um, I, I remember when I was a, a, a little kid, I, I was with my, my brother, who was older than I am and bigger than I am, and he was like, we're going. And we were a part of a, a, a. We rushed the field, and I was I don't know eight years old, and I got I got tra- I got pushed to the ground. It was a Nebraska Oklahoma game, and a Nebraska player to this day I don't know who it is, but I swear he saved my life by uh, crawling sort of on top of me 
and just sort of uh, just just guarding me. And I know that uh, some again, some media members went down there and uh, they got caught up in the scrum. So that I just want to get on my high horse and say, look, if you're going to do that. And you be, ought to know what's going to happen or you're not a very good reporter. Be prepared for the consequences. Um, all right. Two. And this is all I want to talk about the penalties, Jay. In your experience, I mean, I, I think you started more games at Alabama at quarterback than any other player. Maybe A.J. started one more than you or something. I, I don't remember. But is there such a thing as home cooking when it comes to penalties? And uh, does the crowd, when you're on the road, Jay, influence whether or not a ref is going to pull out a flag or not? Just your opinion. I would think not, and I hope not, that that would be the case. The only time that ever felt like that there was uh, anything done that I I didn't feel like there was a penalty, but, I mean, look, they made the call, and you just kind of live with it, was the Army game in 1993. Uh, We started, I think it was the second half, and uh, we're running the ball right down their throats right up the middle. We'd come up with kind of a trap play during halftime to go up against the defensive front that they had done, and we knocked off two really long runs. The third one that we ran, I think it was the third one or second or third one, uh, they called a holding penalty, and I went to the ref, and I'm like, you know, who is the hold on? He goes, well, the hole's too 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 wide open, and I was like, that's your answer. The the hole's too wide. Oh open. wow! Who who held us? I mean, who 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 are we holding? And who who is holding? He goes, uh, he goes, it's just, it's just not, you know, you, you, the hole can't be that big that that many. T- I mean, it, it was crazy. And Coach Stallings uh, approached him as well, was trying to figure out what was going on. So that was the only time I felt like, and I don't think that was like they were calling it to determine the game. I think they honestly just feel like the hole was probably too big, big at the time. The three times in a row that we ran the play, but um, I, I don't know. I, I just I never put it on the refs. I don't think you should put it uh, in their hands. Number one, just take care of, take care of business. Um, there were some questionable calls. I think there always is. Alabama has been the highest penalized team with 66 penalties now, and the yardage. I mean, that's like 20 more than um, a lot of the teams combined, uh, and uh, the yardage that they've given up as well uh, because of those penalties. So. They, they, the things that they can't clean up are the offsides, the lining up, the motions, the movements, uh, all that type of stuff. They can clean up some of the pass interference as well, continue to work on that. But they got beat with scheme. Uh, Josh Heupel came out, Matt, with a great scheme, and Alabama didn't recover from it. And to allow one guy to go five times down the same part of the field and score touchdowns, you got to correct that. You've got to get help over the top. And I appreciate you bringing Heupel back up because, and for good reason, we've talked a lot about the officiating, talked a lot about the penalties, and and we've talked about Alabama's defense, not getting pressure, not picking off pass, giving up way too much space. But I, I think when you write the final scenario to this book, Lars, it's, it should be about Heupel and how he prepared his team. Exactly. Heupel slash Hooker because, man, he had the, Heupel had the game plan Hooker absolutely produced. And that's why, you know, and believe me, folks, everyone listening right now, it's just more difficult for me to say than most people. Tennessee played well. Tennessee won. Now, I'd like to meet them tomorrow afternoon and see if we couldn't do it all over again. Don't get me wrong. Do you think Tennessee deserved to win? Yes, I do. I do, too. Uh, And, man, that was hard to say. (laughs) um yeah uh jay another question for you how do you think hypel has been able to do this so fast with remember when when jeremy pruitt uh was there 
uh, and gets fired. Mass exodus of players going out. And you think, oh, gosh, Tennessee is just going to be down for a long, long time. And uh, you get Josh Heupel, and there was not a lot of fanfare around his hire. I mean, in fact, uh, I think there was little, there was zero fanfare around his hire. But what a job he has done. And, uh, of course, it helps when you get a Hendon Hooker uh, to lead your squad. But, uh, Jay, I, I just can't be more impressed. Or I, sorry, I couldn't be more impressed with the job that Josh Heupel has done in a very, very short time at Tennessee. Yeah, I got him to buy into what he's, what he's doing. I mean, the thing with Josh Heupel, offense travels with him. Everywhere he's been, he's put up big numbers, whether it's been at UCF, whether it's at Missouri, with Drew Locke, whether it's at Oklahoma, with a number of great quarterbacks that he coached and really put up great numbers. I kind of brought back the 2010s in that, in that kind of era of the style of offense and what he's doing with the spreading out of the receivers and putting you in a really tough spot. And I think that's just where you have to say, look, we just got to give up something, but we can't give up the big play. We got to go either uh, too high and uh, play a, a cover two zone, a cover two man, a robber where you got a guy going underneath as well in the middle where the safeties move back into a, a cover three robber or a cover one robber. Um, and in order to cut down those on those uh, kind of across the field type plays that you saw a couple of times where the field was just wide open. Uh, but those are things they can learn from and grow from. And, and again, can, you, right can you explain what that is? Jay, I'm sorry to interrupt. Can you explain what that is? The as robber? far as the, the coverages? Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, too high or cover two zone is where you got two safeties over the top and they're playing halves. Uh, two man is where everybody underneath of that is playing uh, man to man, or you can play a two zone where it's just normal cover two where the corner's got the flats and uh, hook curl is with the linebacker. Safeties are over the top. Uh, you have the same thing on the backside as well on both sides of the field. So we're, you're really covering that up. Now, you're going to give up runs. And, and look, that's one thing that they did a really good job of, too. Tennessee is when. They felt like they had Alabama in position. They were also not allowing them to get cheetah package on the field at certain times. They were running the football uh, with Hendon, uh, the quarterback, who made some big, big runs and big plays to get first downs. They were very quick in their tempo. Uh, then Robert is where you have two safeties, and one of the safeties rotates into the middle. The other goes deep in the middle. So they're playing pretty much thirds. You can play zone or man again uh, behind that, and it gives you a guy that can come in and kind of rob the play. And, uh, you know, look – the, the bracketing and all that type of stuff you see out of cover two where you kind of uh, hand guys off. I, I just feel like you'd have had a guy there ready for Hyatt coming across the middle or at least not giving up those big explosive plays, five of them, to one player and really just one area of the field that they kept picking on. And, um, you know, that's I think that's where you just got to give those guys some extra help over the top. All great observations. Yeah, that, Jay, I love that. Yeah, that's very uh, good. that's the hardcore analysis that I love. Yep. And um, hey, UT Martin's next for Tennessee. Hey, I was looking at Alabama's schedule. Um, it's not easy. I mean, it's not real hard. But got Mississippi State. Who knows with the Pirate? Um, LSU. And I, and I believe we. Uh, and then Ole Miss. Th- thanks to Tony Curry, we are going to have the Pirate on the show. I believe Friday. on Friday. Yeah. 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 Oh, All right, a lot awesome to get into in Alabama. Want to rebound as well, and against Mississippi State, I don't think you'll see a letdown for Tennessee with UT Martin. But uh, who knows? You might see one later in the year. A lot of emotions went into that game. The uh, the polls, uh, the go polls coming down, carried out of the stadium. Uh, the fans rushing the field. Hey Matt, real quick, I was thinking about this earlier. Do you ever remember an Alabama fan base rushing a field? I can't remember one no. uh, in in my lifetime. No, never. 
Um, yeah. Now, it could have happened in the 20s, and I was just four. Uh, <laughs> was, no. was Grantland Rice covering the game, or is this pre-Grantland Rice? And, and Grant, let me tell you something. Grantland did not rush the field with the fans. <laughs> I, I want that to be on the record. That's uh, hilarious. No, I, I don't. And uh, it's like that quote, that uh, tweet that you read a little while ago. Because they don't have to. Yeah. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back and uh, more on Alabama, Tennessee, and some of the games around the SEC as well. And kind of, uh, you know, Alabama still got everything in front of them as far as playing for the uh, Western Division Championship and SEC title and a chance to get into the playoffs. Stay with us. We'll be back. We're live from AVX. You're listening to The Jay Barker Show, live from the AVX Studios in downtown Birmingham. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. What QC Kinetics is doing for people here is nothing short of amazing. I'm talking real lasting relief from joint pain. Hey, it's Gary Harris. QC Kinetics is the nation's leader in exciting new pain. So far this season, clear with the low at 34. Tomorrow is sunny but cool day, the high only at 53. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 73 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Again, Georgia over Vanderbilt this weekend, 55 to nothing. Uh, Alabama again, 52-49 with Tennessee winning that game. Auburn goes down to Ole Miss, 38. Uh, I'm sorry, 48 to 34. Kentucky over Mississippi State, 27 to 17. Arkansas takes down BYU, 52 to 35. LSU over Florida, 45 to 35. Let's go back real quick to the Auburn and Ole Miss game. Uh, any surprises there, guys? From from y'all, I thought Auburn uh, started out uh, pretty well and uh, was able to come back out even the second half and kind of get some things going. But Ole Miss just way too much for them. I'll be very brief, Matt. I just love the fact that uh, the Auburn uh, Tigers were down twenty-one nothing and they didn't quit. And uh, the players showed uh, determination, hustle, want, desire. I don't know if that's a reflection on Harson because look, if if this uh, if, if if it becomes a fifty-six to fourteen game, I think the president of the university says, "Hey Brian, why don't you uh, come on my plane uh, as we go home rather than taking the uh, players?" And uh, he gets fired. Uh, Gene Chizik got fired after losing to uh, Alabama in the Iron Bowl. I think it was forty-nine zero on the plane uh, separate from the team. I Actually, the team drove back, and uh, Chiz had to uh, – he had to uh, um, uh, fly back with the AD, and then it was super awkward because Chizik's car was actually at the football facility. Right. And so the he AD had to, had to drive from uh, the, oh. the FBO in, in Auburn to the uh, football facility, and it was like a 20-minute drive, and, and Gene told me, like, they didn't even say a single word. But anyway, uh, good effort by Auburn, uh, and, and I think Harson should feel good about that. It, yeah, it's a loss. No such thing as a moral victory. I, I get that. 
But, uh, uh, Matt, I'll let you just dive into the sort of details of the game. Well, I was driving back from Tuscaloosa. We had done the pregame show, which, by the way, uh, airs five hours before Alabama kickoff right here on Tide in, in Tuscaloosa and the Bears. A great show. Listen, Christian Miller and OC are part of DC are part of it. But I was driving. I called Lars to see what time we were going to get together to watch the game. And I said, when I left R&R, got a cigar, great guy, um, and headed back. And I said, when I left the cigar store, uh, the mansion, it was twenty. It was 7 or nothing. And you said, uh, it's 21 or nothing. I said, game, set, match. I mean, it's over. And it is a real credit to Harson, in my opinion, that he was able to rally them. Um, and he, he didn't have half time to do it. He had to figure out a way to get them going. He started feeding the beast and giving it to Tank. And um, they fought back. And then they fought back again in the second half. And who knows? I don't know if momentum was broken by the lightning stop or not. But, um, you know, we have uh, been very, very critical of Harson in the past. I think this time he deserves a pat on the back. Your yeah, reaction, Rob, Jay? Yeah, Robbie Ashford, I mean, ended up uh, 8 of 1,740 yards, but he had the two interceptions. And, again, they're just not getting the play from the quarterback position that they need to. He had some good moments, some really nice plays as well throughout the game. The biggest thing was feeding Tank um, Bigsby, and, and that's the guy that we've talked about that uh, has really suffered from the lack of offensive production, really not relying on him the way that they have in the past. 20 carries, 179 yards, two touchdowns. So pretty amazing there. I'm about to sneeze. Sorry about that, guys. <laughs> but Tank Biz, uh, Bigsby uh, ends up having a nice day. And, um, yeah, I mean, he, he kept them in the game. I mean, he, he kept the guys, the troops, uh, you know, rallied around those things. And, and I agree with you, Matt, or, or Lars, it may have been the, the lightning, uh, the, the delay that kind of got them off track a little bit. But, it's still, you can just tell there's there's a lot of pieces missing uh, for this Armour team. And, um, you know, th that goes back to recruiting. That goes back to development of players. And uh, that, that lays heavily on the shoulders of uh, one Harson. But, he, you know, he should be proud of his team the way that they played. But right now, Auburn's sitting at 3-4 and four and 1-3, and three, uh, Lars, in the SEC play. Yeah, and... Um... Uh, another team that caught my eye, and uh, Matt and I talked about this briefly earlier, was Michigan. They bullied Penn State. They bullied Penn State in the second half of that game. It was a 16-14 game at, at halftime, and then Michigan just comes out and throttles them 41-17. And uh, just Michigan on the ground uh, out outrushed uh, Penn State 418 to 111. First downs, 28 to 10. Whoa. Possession time, basically 42 minutes to 18 minutes. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So Michigan made a statement. Watch out for Michigan, Matt. And I love I love their quarterback, uh, a, a young kid, and his name escapes me right now. But uh, he, he is just a very uh, smart player. And uh, and and uh, they really are going to challenge uh, Ohio State for for the league crown and for uh, one of those playoff spots. And I I think we can almost definitively say, and, and sorry, the quarterback's name is uh, JJ McCarthy. Really, really efficient. Leads uh, the country, I believe, in uh, completion percentage, right around eighty percent. I mean, it's like off the charts. Uh, th this Michigan team is the best one that Jim Harbaugh has had since he returned to Ann Arbor, Matt. And um, they lost a, a huge defensive player, Hutchinson. I mean, he's a big time player. They just, number one they overall just, pick, they just right? Reloaded. 
And um, what did you do? Do the math for me real quick. What did they outscore them in the second half? 24 to 3? Something like yeah. that? Um, amazing. And, and another quick note to that game I was reading earlier today that there was a Brussels in the tunnel as the two teams departed the field for halftime. Well, come on, people. Why in the world do you let them go through the tunnel at the first time? It's a real, real simple task for a security guy to say, hey, let the visitors go first, then y'all go. Let's let two teams that have battled voraciously for 30 minutes go into the tunnel at the same time when the score is 16 to 14. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, they got to come manage on, that man. better, definitely. Come. Hey, other games, Utah over USC. Big win for Utah, number 20 over hey, number seven. I called seven. that one, y'all. Yeah, 43-42. And then TCU took down Oklahoma State, the number 13 team, over number 8, 43 to 40. All right, uh, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and more on from the past weekend. Also, some news being released. Charles Barkley, after uh, teasing interviews with other entities, networks during the spring and summer, leads him to a 10-year contract extension, reports out, with TNT, worth more than $100 million and uh, worth every penny of that. Good. All right, we'll be back. Stay with us. We're live from ABX. You're listening to The Jay Barker Show, live from the AVX Studios in downtown Birmingham. One in seven men will face prostate cancer. Nearly 500 new cases are diagnosed every day in the U.S. Traditional treatments can cause erectile dysfunction and urinary incontinence. But now there's a new option, high-intensity focused ultrasound, or HIFU. Men who are really looking for an option that really preserves their urinary and sexual function are great candidates for HIFU treatment. Preserve your quality of life. Call 866-4-VITURO or visit VITUROHealth.com. Hi, it's Jay Barker for AVX, Audio Video Excellence. They are the premier provider for custom audiovisual design and installation in the Southeast. AVX seeks excellence in everything it does, including a superior employee experience. AVX offers employees an industry-leading salary, insurance benefits, and 401k options. AVX technicians also receive the highest level of certification and continue training, making it one of the most awarded and decorated companies in the industry. Career opportunities are available now for technicians in Birmingham and Santa Rosa Beach, Florida. Join the AVX team by contacting them at avxinc.com. Gary Burley here for Williford Chiropractic and Wellness. As a 10-year National Football League veteran, you can imagine my surprise being diagnosed with cancer and starting chemotherapy treatment back in 2014. I suffered from a lot of pain and offered up prayer during those days as I made it into remission. But I developed neuropathy. Anyone that suffers from this condition knows the pain is excruciating, nerve numbness and tingling along the tissue that won't heal. I tried everything for relief, folks, until my wife suggested I call Dr. Williford of Williford Chiropractic and wellness. I called at 205-909-7373 and scheduled an appointment. After three treatments, I began experiencing relief that I haven't had in years. If you're suffering from neuropathy, I suggest you reach out to Dr. Williford and his great staff at WilfordChiropracticAndWellness.com. Williford Chiropractic and Wellness. Give them a call at 205-909-7373. Balance your brain. Balance your life. Hi, it's Jay Barker. I want to tell you about my good friends Craig and Keith at Birmingham Broker. Go online at bhambroker.com. That's bhambroker.com or 205-716-1269. Got seven kids, man, and we had to sell a lot of cars. And these guys are looking for a lot of inventory. They helped us with all the hassle. No stress for us. They did the process as far as the sales and everything. Handled it all the way through. White glove type service. You'll love it. Again, it's bhambroker.com. Sell your car through bhambroker.com or 205-716-1269. 
Hi, it's Jay Barker for Siebel's in downtown Homewood, and now's the time to get your special place ready. Come in and let Siebel's design your porch with Kingsley Bait Outdoor Furniture and one of their custom swinging beds. For the great room, you're going to need their Carson Swivel Recliner. Siebel's is the number one Carson recliner dealer in the country, and Sarah and I, we've got one, and we absolutely love it. Be sure also to check out their famous custom-made beds and bunk beds built by Siebel's and made up with some of their best linens in town. Their staff can truly put your bed together like no other store. You can also follow Siebel's and shop on Instagram and Facebook. And be sure to call or go by their special store in downtown Homewood. The number is 800-448-1962. That's 800-448-1962. And just for listening, go to Siebel'sCottage.com and order anything you want and type in Jay Barker for a special discount code. That's Jay Barker for a special discount code available only to our listeners for a limited time on The Jay Barker Show. Siebel's in downtown Homewood or online at Siebel'sCottage.com. It's Antonio Langham here to tell you about the easiest way to buy your tickets to your next high school game. Have you ever had to wait in line to buy a high school ticket or stop to get cash on the way to the game? There has to be a better way. There is. It's called GoFan. Check out GoFan.co the next time you need a ticket for your high school game. GoFan is easy, fast, and completely secure. You can buy tickets directly from your phone and just show the ticket at the gate. Download the GoFan app or visit GoFan.co now. That's GoFan.letterC letter O. And uh, we were talking earlier about when was the last time Alabama fans may have rushed the field after a win. And uh, Matt Coulter went in and did some crack research and has found us the answer, maybe. I'm glad you didn't say did research on crack. Um, okay. Um, my memory is, and I've got a, a few years here under my belt, was that it had never happened. And so I looked it up. Oddly enough, I'll give credit. Will Ogburn wrote this story a few years ago on when's the last time. SEC teams, their fans rush the field. Alabama, never. Uh, Arkansas, 2014, uh, a route against LSU. Auburn, kick six. Um, here's one, Florida. Have they rushed the field or not, Lars? I'd say at some point they probably have. Well, out to my surprise I'd, I'd and yours. Steve Spurrier era? Well, no. Uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a long it jump from, from that, that position where they're at in the field. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Even though you're right on top, you'll break an ankle going down. Um, Georgia against but, Tennessee. Can, oh, can I stop you? Kick sure. six. Absolutely. I was down on the field for that, and I saw students cannonballing into the bushes yeah. <laughs> that surround. What are they? That, what are they? Uh, the hedges. They're boxwoods, I think. Yeah. Um, but, but, they're, but they have, uh, like, they're prickly. Yeah. And, uh, and there was one guy who... Um, uh, <laughs> He was stuck in there. He was bleeding, and he just—he was yelling at me, "Help me, bro! Help me, bro!" I'm like, "Dude, I got a job to do. Sorry." And just <laughs> went along. I went on my way. Oh, that's great. No video of that, Lars. No. There was video though of one sweet poor little girl that got caught in the same predicament as that. And well, why? Was, I mean, but how they many, did rescue How her. many drinks have you had if you are going to cannonball into bushes that have stickers in them? I would like to tell you this, and I believe it to be so. I don't think there's enough alcohol. No, I wouldn't do that. I just wouldn't. Okay. Do that. Anyway, all right. Georgia rushed the field 22 years ago to win against Tennessee, Kentucky uh, 2014 in a uh, win versus South Carolina. 
Really? Uh, uh, LSU, uh, well, 2014 seemed to be a popular year. 10-7 uh, win against Ole Miss. That's that's odd. Mississippi State beat Florida in 04. Uh, Missouri beat Arkansas. And guess what year? Listen, 2014, Ole Miss, 23-17 win against Alabama. Guess what year? 2014, like six of these. Uh, South is that, Carolina. Is that the only time in your memory, Matt, that uh, a team has rushed the field after beating Arkansas? Uh. <laughs> I mean, it's got to go. Arkansas was a national power back oh, back yeah. in the day, so uh, there it has to have been ha- happened like maybe in Missouri the sixties, maybe Arkansas. in the sixties. Twenty-one uh, fourteen. Now that's that's kind. Of, a lot of these are odd. Like okay, South Carolina when they had that thirty-seven thirty-six win against Alabama. Um, Ah, uh, Stephen Garcia's finest hour. Um, that was one where they kicked Alabama's butt, though. That was another South Carolina. One. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Tennessee, uh, Russia Field, twenty to seventeen. They went against Florida. That was the year that they went on winning national and championship. And then on uh, two days ago, what now? Two yeah. days ago. And then two yeah. days ago. Uh, thank you. I should. You think I don't remember <laughs> that one? Uh, how about this one? Uh, twenty ten, Texas A and M Russia Field on nine six win against Nebraska. Hmm. You know what? They may have rushed the field when they beat Alabama last year. Yeah, I think I they think, did. I think they did. Because this article, like you said, it's a couple, a couple years, years old. Uh, has Vandy, have they ever rushed Vandy the field? Vandy rushed the field against Kentucky some 20 years ago or so. 2003-28-17 win against Kentucky. Jay Cutler. Jay, that have you ever one. been on the field when the fans have rushed it and uh, you're just trying to get the heck out of there and... Uh, you know, if you, I'm sure you're you're so big. I'm sure you never felt like endangered or anything. But uh, have you ever been in a situation where just fans are rushing at you? I I never lost a game and an away uh, place uh, besides the Auburn game. But I didn't finish it. I was hurt. And oh I was yeah, in, in, in forgot the that. Room, so. Sorry, boss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I never lost. Never lost in the road yeah. to have to deal with that uh, that issue. But lost to the you know the, the one at Auburn and the one by one point to the SEC championship game against Florida, so um, and there was no rushing the field there at that time because Florida was uh, they had already been winning championships. You know uh, we we did have one confession though a baseball player texted me which we all know who that is Robbie and said that the baseball team rushed the field in 1990 with uh, Philip Dole kicked the the three field goals to beat Auburn and it kind of uh, got Alabama back on track in that rivalry uh, after they had lost a few times to the uh, Auburn Tigers especially that 89 loss was so tough to swallow because they were playing a chance to go on to play for the national championship but uh he said that uh, uh, uh saw them on the game field <laughs> rushing the field after that to, to give uh give um, um give them a, a big uh uh you know a chance to uh, be out there and be a part of that and celebrate uh, alabama winning that game and and to be there more more or less for philip dole the kicker who played on the baseball team it seems like it's a more common occurrence in uh, college basketball. And, uh, Matt, it seems like it's a little bit more dangerous in college basketball yes. because the space is more confined. But, um, you know, Tennessee, look, they were preparing for this. I mean, they announced that they or it got leaked out that the AD, Danny White, was having new uh, uh, field goal uh, field goals construction uh, constructed. And... Uh, there were literally, I, I saw this, uh, I think it was just over social somewhere, cops helping players, or sorry, helping fans, mostly young women, 
out of the stands to get onto the field. Yeah. I don't I, think I, I if don't they know. didn't it if they didn't help them it was still gonna am, happen. Am I just a fuddy duddy and think that this shouldn't happen? Oh I, I'm I, just I'm just scarred by that personal experience I had when I was <laughs> seven years old. Uh, you <laughs> know like, I like it. And I was but really I, don't. I, was, um, I was scared to death. I don't imagine. Look what happened. It's and related it, uh, only to the fact that it's a, it's an avid it, fan it, base. Well, look what happened in Cincinnati with a who. Yeah. Eleven people died. Yeah. They were yeah. trampled to death. Jay and I, I mentioned this to Matt during the break. Uh, I was I forget what concert this was, but everybody was pushing forward so much that uh, I was literally lifted up because I was near mm. the front, lifted up, and my feet couldn't touch the ground. I'm like, you know what? This would be a really easy situation in which to suffocate to death because I was just getting crushed uh, as everybody around me was and screaming. I, I wasn't. Ah. Hey, I'll, 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 I would admit if I was screaming in fear, but I wasn't. I wasn't doing that. Uh, but they, they had to stop the show, and uh, then everybody kind of cooled down and, and backed away. Lars, I think we've just established the fact that you should not go into to crowds without Jay Barker. I know. And in all life will be good. I'll get on Jay's shoulders. How about that? Yeah. Oh, that would that'd, that'd make a great Twitter photo. Come on, I would Lars, love to on. see that. <laughs> oh, my oh, goodness. Man. I'm not like 5'1 or, you know, 4'11. I'm, 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 no, you're 5'8, 5'9, aren't you? 5'9. Yeah. Good day. Hey, a, a quick note, and I know it's been dominated. <laughs> Very by... good day, yeah. Thank you, Jay. <laughs> well, uh, we've been dominated by Alabama since he talked, but I, I do want to make. And we talked to Auburn. Uh, UAB defeated Charlotte. They uh, doused the 49ers, 34 to 20. An interesting note: uh, they play Friday night of this week at Western Kentucky. It's a straight shot up 65. Let's That's go. good. You know they'll have a lot of eyeballs on them, and yeah. uh, they could uh, make an impression. Jay, did you ever have a game on a Friday night uh, in college? Uh, I think we played a Friday afternoon, if I'm not mistaken, after Thanksgiving, uh, one or two of the years against Auburn. That was it was sometimes on Thanksgiving yep. day at times, but during our our time is mostly on the, on that Friday or that Saturday of Thanksgiving weekend. But I do think, and Matt, I don't know if you remember or not, if it was on a Friday, one of those games. It just I think I remember that being the case, but um, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, that way that that's it's, it's different because your schedule has to pick up very quickly. Uh, so uh, UAB is playing this Friday, and you've got uh, you know for them you know like usually on Sundays I got a little bit more time off, and it was right back to work. Uh, so you don't really get that that time off to recover or go out play golf, do certain things to kind of get away from things. Instead, you got to stay in there in the meetings and uh, get really prepared a lot quicker than you would on a normal week schedule. Yeah, but I remember when they announced that, like they did at the beginning of the year, they were going to change two of the Alabama-Auburn gates to either of the dates to Friday or maybe even Thanksgiving. I don't remember if that was true or not. But I remember going, no, 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 no. That's a Saturday game. Not that it makes that mm -hmm. big of a difference, but I just always felt like them. Of course, I still think it should be play played at Legion Field. So what the heck, Kavana? <laughs> Man, I love those games. Oh, it was so much fun. Being there as a fan, but also Me having too. a chance to play at Legion Field as a player. And um, I mean, I don't forget, I think it was 1991, Matt. We were actually at Legion Field and we were the away, away team. So we wore white uh, in 1991 instead of the crimson that we had normally wear at Legion Field. Uh, that was always interesting because you had a home or away team each year. And um, but some great matchups, guy. 
some great memories. And the fan bases being split up like that, even though I know Auburn fans complained that Alabama fans were able to get tickets. There's you know, some more Alabama fans. But at the same time, you had both kind of student sections. You had both bands. I mean, it was just an amazing, amazing atmosphere. Yeah. All right, uh, let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll wrap up our number two here on the Monday edition Jay Barker Show. Matt Coulter, Lars Anderson. We'll be back. You're listening to The Jay Barker Show, live from the AVX Studios in downtown Birmingham. Did you miss any episode on Tide 100.9? Don't worry. All of our shows can be found on Spotify and Apple Music and on demand on the Tide 100.9 app. Have you ever wanted to be inside Bryant Denny in the middle of the field, sitting in the lower bowl, watching your beloved Alabama? Far this season, clear with a low at 34. And for tomorrow, a sunny but cool day, the high only at 53. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 73 degrees in Tuscaloosa. earlier, but uh, no surprise, there are two SEC teams and two Big Ten teams inside the top four right now with Georgia at number one in the AP, that Ohio State at number two in the AP, Tennessee's at three, and then Michigan at four. In the coaches' poll, it's Georgia at one, Ohio State at two, Michigan at three, and then Tennessee sitting at four. Clemson outside the top four at number five in both polls, and Alabama outside of Clemson and uh, sitting at number six in both polls as well. After that, it's Ole Miss, who Alabama will play. TCU comes in at number eight after their big win. Oregon is at number nine in the coaches. They are number 10 in the AP. UCLA and them switch spots, nine at UCLA in the AP and 10 in the coaches poll. But uh, just that top 10 right now, you guys agree with it? And also the top four, which one do you like the best? Lars uh, made a point during the break a minute ago. Said if he had a vote, you would have put where, who, when, why. Tennessee number one. Oh. Interesting. They have, uh, I think, probably beaten more ranked teams when they played than any other team in the country. And there's no question that the game of the year took place on Saturday afternoon in Knoxville. And uh, they stood toe-to-toe with Alabama and won the game. And uh, I just don't think there's a more deserving team right now than Tennessee. And I, I just hate the fact that... Well, you know, Georgia did this, or you know, who cares? I mean, just move them, move them. If, if you think the best team in the country is Tennessee, put Tennessee there, and uh, that's certainly what I would do. Matt, would you have Tennessee at number one? I don't think so. I think I'd have them at three, like most of the Associated Press voters do. Uh, by the way, uh, fifteen other guys on Associated Press voting agreed with you. They gave Tennessee a first place nod. But Georgia leads that 31. Ohio State has 17. Tennessee has 15. I I do think that there is a team we discussed just a little while ago of great note. That's Michigan. Um, They're moving up really, really fast. And it could be two SEC teams and two Ohio State, excuse me, two Big Ten teams uh, in the final four. But, man, we got a lot of gridiron to chew up before that. Yeah, and uh, Jay, now that USC has a loss, I'm not sure that the Pac-12 is going to get a team in. Uh, I I thought the best team uh, from uh, the Big 12 that had a chance was uh, Oklahoma State. They have a loss. 
If I it was a betting man, and you know I am, uh, <laughs> I I think you're I think Matt, you're spot on. I mean, I you know we're a little bit more than halfway through the season, or about halfway. I think we're, this is shaping up as two SEC teams and two Big Ten teams, uh, and that would make sense because they clearly are the two best conferences in the country, Jay. And again, Clemson kind of being left out again, but based on being yeah, yeah, you're the, right, you're right, yeah. you're right. Well, I mean, I'm just saying. I mean, they are. I mean, we talk about this every year how they get kind of get lost in the shuffle. They don't get the the media attention, and uh, they don't. And a lot of that's because of who they play uh, in the ACC in the competition. And uh, one of the reasons why instead of coming to the SEC or wherever they were at the time, FSU and Bobby Bowden said, "Hey, let's go to the ACC. We'll win championships there every single year." And Dabo has taken advantage of that as well with not near the talent you're going to play in the SEC week in and week out. Um, now, as far as the the Pac-12, I think you still got UCLA and Oregon. Uh, UCLA, probably the best chance that they stay undefeated. They're now at number 10 in the coaches' poll and uh, number 9 ahead of Oregon. They've switched places there. Uh, they're number 9 ahead of Oregon in the AP uh, top 25. But, um, yeah, it's going to be fun to watch, kind of see how this thing continues to, uh, to play out. Um, yeah, I still would put Georgia at number 1, no doubt about it. I, you know, Tennessee to me would be 2 or 3. Uh, you kind of could swap them back and forth. And I still have, I'd probably have Michigan at number four. Uh, the reason to keep in Georgia there, number one, because they're, they are the defending champions and they played very well and looked dominant at times. I, I think their game plan against Tennessee is going to be a lot different than what Alabama's was um, defensively and, and offensively. They learned a lot from that game and to see the matchups and the things that Josh Heupel was saving and waiting to do and things that he's done before, uh, but really wanted to exploit uh, some of the weak areas of Alabama's secondary um, and also the rush, the way they, I mean, look, Will Anderson not to have any holding calls in a game like that, uh, very surprising. And, and a couple of times I watched the film, it looked like he was being held. I know at times he would throw his hands up as if, you know, look, they're holding on to me and trying to get the refs' attention. Dallas Turner a couple of times with that as well. Uh, but uh, they'll have a lot to learn from that game. Georgia will defensively how to defend that up-tempo and uh, really uh, spread you out style of offense, Matt. Well, you bring up a good point. Did Tennessee have a holding call, which would have been in the interior line? I, I mean, they're only 17, remember. Lars. Can't you recite them for me right now? <laughs> I mean, that, that's Alabama had yeah, 17 Alabama penalties. But, 17. Uh, um, Tennessee only had, what, five? Something like that? I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, five or six. But, uh, uh, Jay, let me start with you. You let's, uh, let's just look at the Alabama side of this. What does Alabama need to do to get their season back on track? And again, I, I, it's not just what happened on Saturday. It's what happened the previous Saturday. It's what happened in Austin, Texas. And, uh, what I, my feeling is that perhaps we are seeing a somewhat imperfect Alabama team. I mean, no team's perfect, but, but, uh, just based on Nick Saban, what he was saying before the season, it's just like, wow, man, he really loves this team. And they quite easily could have three losses right now. And they also quite easily could be undefeated. I understand that. But we're just not used to seeing close games. So, Jay, if you uh, were able to uh, talk with Nick Saban, and Nick Saban is saying, Jay Barker, give me your advice. What What do we do from here uh, what, what, what needs to be fixed? What would you say? Uh, first of all, I'd say you don't need my advice. Number one, uh, that, that, that would, he's been down <laughs> these paths and he doesn't need my advice. I, I think that, that from a player's perspective, it's just, 
you you got to uh, you got to forget it and you got to move on. Twenty four hour rule, win or loss. Uh, but you learn from it. So you go back as if you would on a test and you look at the things that you can correct, the mistakes you made. And a lot of those were mental mistakes, some of them schematic things that they can do differently on the, from the coaching staff standpoint, getting ready for a, a game like Tennessee. Um, and, you know, again, the biggest thing is you, you can't let it determine the rest of the season. Everything Alabama wants to play for, again, is right in front of them. The West Division, an SEC championship chance to play in that. Then if you win that, you go and play in the playoffs and have a chance to win a national championship. You know, the, the key here is that Alabama's won so many games, and as we talked about, only what six away games they've lost uh, over the last decade. Uh, so, you know, look, Tennessee had the home field advantage. They're a great team this year. They were ranked number six in the country. That's why Alabama did not fall, but two number six uh, kind of replaced them in that in that order. Um, and you got to give Tennessee credit. And, you know, I think that only helps Alabama, too, to give them credit down the road with the voters and people that are going to determine who ends up uh, playing in the CFP. But everything that is in front of them is in front of them. They still can win it all. They still can get back into the SC title game, uh, play for that uh, right now where they're at. Uh, just got to beat Ole Miss. Uh, so uh, I think a lot to be positive about and a lot to try to focus on now and, and move forward. You just you got to go game to game. You can't focus on losses or wins. You got to move to the next one, follow the process that Coach Saban talks about. And it's also going to be, Matt, leadership on that team. Uh, the, you know, the guys we've talked about, whether it be Bryce Young, Will Anderson Jr., and even others now that have stepped up in some of those leadership roles uh, for this team through spring and fall practice and now through these first few games uh, or somebody are halfway through the season. But when you look at Bryce's play this weekend, that's what I'm so impressed with is, you know, he really hasn't practiced for two weeks. Uh, d- didn't really throw the ball at all uh, in practice and really ran the run plays. And the other guy split the reps 50, 50 on the, the, the back end of it, the two, uh, the number two. So I think that's where you look at preparation going into that and how well he played. It's just an outstanding performance and what a gutty performance by him in that game to put up the numbers he did to keep Alabama in it. I think Alabama um, may have a lack of leadership on the field. And I would have thought Will and Bryce would have been that. Is that. I don't think we have anybody in the trenches that grab somebody's face mask and say, don't miss that block again. My prediction, here we go, prediction alert. Bryce Young stays healthy. Alabama will win the SEC championship. You heard it here first. Right there. Lars Anderson on the Bank Joe it. Show. Bank it. Mortgage it. If you start betting on it, then it's not going to happen. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> and, and move it could the be kicks. worse for Alabama. Move the kicks a left hash or middle of the field. Left hash might be best because uh, there's hash. been a lot of left issues hash, right hash throughout hash. the year. Yes, I agree with you, Jay. <laughs> All right, uh, let's continue yeah, that, tomorrow. That part of the Alabama's um, game is disappointing, too. Yeah. Let's continue tomorrow on this discussion and uh, much more as we get ready now ahead. And we have Tim Brando normally with us on Tuesdays as well from Fox Sports. Have a great uh, Monday. We'll see you tomorrow for the Tuesday edition. Hi, this is Wes McClooney, owner of the New Balance Birmingham store. Achieving your personal best often comes down to how you feel. And when it comes to the right shoes, nothing feels better than New Balance.